Welcome to the Control-Alt-Azure podcast. I'm Yusip. And I'm Tobias. Join us for a journey in the cloud. Hello, and welcome back again to another episode of Control-Alt-Azure. I am again here with my co-host, Yusi Roine. What is up? Hi, Toby. All is good here. So one of the things I've been battling with lately is migrations. I run my own personal blog. I run that on WordPress, but I run it locally in a VM. And whenever I need to push something out, I publish the post and then I generate a static site from my on-prem WordPress and I upload those static files to an Azure web app. Wow. It, it works great. But lately, uh, since I've been adding quite a bit of content in the past six or so months, generating those static files seems to take for forever. It used to be two minutes. Now it's up to about 10, 11 minutes, even if I want to change something small because it generates everything. Uh, so I started researching what options would I have. And I came up with the uh, kind of conclusion that the ghost, the hosted version, would probably be a good idea. And I've been battling the migration from WordPress to Ghost. And even if it's documented for me, the challenge is that when I lift and shift all of my content to Ghost, the resulting content is raw HTML. So when I go to Ghost and try to edit any of my posts, I only get a page full of HTML, including font tags and styles and everything. So now I'm kind of torn between the options. Should I keep what I have now? and figure it out later? Or should I do a copy-paste exercise from WordPress to Ghost? Or should I create some sort of a script that cleans everything up? But I fear that I end up spending so many evenings on, on polishing the script that I will only use once, that a copy-paste exercise, which I could perhaps do in three, four hours, would be faster. Right, so, so this is not when you wanna hear that. I also moved from WordPress to Ghost Pro, and uh, the hosted version, and that just works seamlessly. So good. <laughs> That's exactly what I needed to hear because it reinforces my thinking that I need to move to Ghost, but I still need to figure what, what the proper approach is going to be. Yeah. I mean, if it's any comfort, I also had some challenges moving over, but I just made the decision. It's going to take a couple of days to figure that out. And this is a couple of years back now, and I'm super glad I did with ghost it's just super quick i never have to think about anything i just write and i hit publish and i go to sleep that's it that's that's probably one of the drivers for me uh, i'm often traveling and i cannot get connected it might be that i'm flying just about to take off or i'm in a train in the middle of nowhere no 4g no internet connectivity and i often want to do something offline like let me author this post and now I cannot do it. I have to do it in a, in a notepad and then copy paste it to WordPress and it's cumbersome. So that's probably one of the drivers for me. The other thing is that the resulting HTML, I cannot affect that in any way now because the, the generator seems to decide everything for me. And I hope with Ghost, I, I could maybe control that a bit more to the theme. Yeah, well, good luck with that. Um, I've been through it, so I know what you're going through. Yep. So what have you been up to lately? <laughs> so on my side, I have uh, something that I want to share, which is also Azure related. It's uh, the secure DevOps kit for Azure that I've been using a lot from Microsoft. 
And the last couple of years, I've spent a lot of time with coach security and infrastructure security and, and general cloud security, uh, you know, as part of, of my job and the role I have. And I've used this kit more and more, and it's a set of extensions and PowerShell scripts that you can use uh, to ensure that you are compliant with specific policies and, and controls. So it's what Microsoft is using internally to strengthen and harden their security posture. So they've now released this, so you can actually take a look at that and use it for yourself. Uh, and I like that they've released this you know, a while back, so it's not something that is super new, but whenever I talk to people in the Azure space, you know, maintaining some kind of solutions, they are usually not aware that this exists. And it's actually a pretty cool thing to take a look at because it can help you, uh, even if you don't want to run the scripts or you don't want to use them, you can uh, learn a lot about the controls that they're looking at. Like if you're doing this or that, maybe you should consider doing it like this instead. So it's a lot of recommendations that lies kind of outside the scope of what the security center does. Um, so what I also like about it is when I run it, I can aggregate all the data that comes out like all the reports and failures saying you should fix this because that might be a security issue down the road. It can aggregate all of this into a log analytics workspace. So if you have 10, 15 subscriptions you manage, you don't have to have a, a security center for each of them and go to all of them because now this can be pulled into a single log analytics workspace and you can see everything in a single place and you can build your dashboards and view from there, which is pretty slick. So that's a, a good tip of the day. Yeah, so it's definitely something I need to have a look at at some point when I'm done with my migrations. Um, <laughs> a quick heads up, though, before we move to the actual content of the episode is uh, on certifications. So we've discussed certifications before a couple of times. And, and just, uh, I think it was a day or two ago, Microsoft Learning, uh, which is the, the organization in charge of all the certifications, they announced that uh, all the admin, dev, architect, and AI certifications will be refreshed, meaning that the numbering will also change, and meaning that the content will change, as well as if you're preparing for one of these exams, you need to decide if you want to do it now, or wait a month or two to get the updated versions, then study perhaps a bit more and then try the newer version instead of, of the soon-to-be older version. Right. And if a certification is part of a certification path leading to a... Uh, so if it's, is it like the entire exam or only the exam or is it the entire certification as such that is changing? Or if uh, you did an exam for one of these that might change, will that still be valid for like the end goal certification? Um, if, if you're doing any of the exams now, any of the certifications now, they will be valid for whatever time period they should be valid. Yeah. But if you're doing something now and you're, you're about to do one of the certification exams that will be renewed, it probably makes sense to wait a few weeks and then do the new version and, and rest assured that you have the latest knowledge as well when you pass the latest version of the exam. So, so the ones that will change it is AZ103, which is the IT Pro that will become AZ104. And then the Azure Dev one, AZ203 becomes 204. The Architect AZ300 becomes AZ303. And AZ301, which is the Architect Design thing, 
becomes AZ304 and the AI100 becomes AI102. And typically, if you are a trainer, you do this professionally, which I don't do anymore, but you learn over, over the time, you learn all the numbers by heart. And then suddenly somebody is asking you about, what do you think about 301? And you immediately know what, what that means. Yeah. Alrighty, All right. So that, that was a quick heads up to certifications. But today's topic is application insights. And I often see Microsoft using AI as the abbreviation for application insights. So this is not the real AI. This is something better. This is application insights on how do you monitor and troubleshoot your applications? Yep. So how would you describe what is application insights? So application insights to me, I mean, I come from a solution architect and developer background. So I've done a lot of uh, different applications that are put to use in the cloud and also on desktops and yeah, running in, in various styles. And one key concept is that you always need to monitor them because something will break, unexpected failures, intermittent downtime, whatever it is. Uh, all applications have dependencies on something. Now, Application Insights is a feature of uh, what is called Azure Monitor. And it's pretty much uh, an APM or an application performance management uh, tool. And what you can do is you can plug this into any of your applications and then you can get automatic monitoring. And then you can also extend that with custom monitoring. So if you get an exception in your code that is unhandled, Application Insights will pick this up and log this in the log. So you can then drill down from App Insights and see what went wrong. So application monitoring for any of your custom applications. That's how I use it. Makes, makes perfect sense. When I got started with Application Insights, I was approaching this service more from the IT Pro viewpoint in, in trying to get better monitoring for a bunch of custom applications as well as for a bunch of virtual machines. And I figured that instead of setting up something like System Center Operations Manager, run that, patch that, learn how that works, I could perhaps get enough insights using application insights against some of the on-premises and cloud-based uh, services that I would have. And how I'm currently using application insights, I'm monitoring a couple of websites that I run in production. And what, what I also hooked that up with was one custom NT service, meaning a Windows NT service that I did ages ago. And it, it, it runs something trivial to me, and, and I should probably migrate that to something more meaningful. But it runs, it works, and I'm happy with this. And I hooked up Application Insights to this custom NT service that I did with C Sharp. And I was amazed that even that works. So I get metrics and monitoring data from within the service, not just from the results that the service does for me. Yeah, and I, I think this is a, a key point uh, that you touch on there because a lot of people that use Azure, they maybe create a website or a function app or whatever it is, and then you get a, the option to enable App Insights and you do that. Um, but maybe some people might not be aware that you can monitor web apps, web pages, client apps, like your NT service, uh, APIs, dependency calls to database servers and you know anything in between. So it's not just about what happens in the cloud, but also 
applications like your background service, your NT service on your machine, uh, you can actually monitor whatever happens in whatever system. It does not have to be in the cloud, but it does have to have network connectivity so it can send data out to Azure. So that's important. And, and how, how it actually works, and this is my understanding, feel, feel free to fill in any gaps that I have. How it generally works is that you have your service. Uh, for me, that would be a website. And what I do on the website, I add this small snippet of JavaScript uh, on each page or in a template if I have any. And it works similarly to how Google Analytics and, and similar trackers work that for each page load, it calls a resource from Application Insights, and then it records all the information it can get from those queries. And based on that, we get the logs, and then Application Insights in Azure Portal builds these beautiful dashboards to, for me to understand better what's happening with my service. How many users do I have? Uh, are we getting any internal errors? Are we getting any, any other failed requests? Is there something I should detect based on an anomaly that's happening with the service? Yeah. Um, so that's one way to do it, to add the, the JavaScript. Um, but you can also, on your, if you're doing web apps in Azure, you can just go over to, to App Insights tab in the left nav and say enable, and it will automatically enable this for you. So you can tell the backend service, if you will, to also enable App Insights to start collecting things. And then if you need um, like more things like you just explained, you can also on the client side, you can inject the script so you understand exactly how the user flow works and what kind of things they interact with and all this on the, on the client side also. So there's, there's various options to enable it. Um, I usually don't use the, the JavaScript injection, uh, usually because the applications that I build are most background apps and functions and things running uh, in the cloud that does not have an interactive UI, and therefore, yeah, it makes no sense for me to inject the JavaScript because I don't have JavaScript. So if you have that, then this is a good way to go. If you don't, you can still enable App Insights for uh, any of your service. Uh, so I see it kind of in three steps. You have that you collect the data from any web source, like we just mentioned, client apps, web apps, web services, whatever. This then lands in Application Insights, like you explained. You can query and view the data here. And then what I usually see as step number three is that you take any type of action on this data. And this action can be that, for example, you can get it into Power BI, right? You can see the telemetry from a, a wide range of different places now. And in Application Insights, you can export it to Power BI. Uh, you have a Visual Studio integration. So if you're a developer, uh, like, like I've been for a long time, you can actually see performance data right in the code. So if you get an exception in Application Insights, you can click the stack trace and it will take you into the right place in Visual Studio to the line of code that caused it. So Application Insights can now automatically monitor your application. And if it hits an unexpected error, you can click it and it will take you to that error in your code causing it. And then you can understand, okay, I, need, uh, I know, now know what I need to do to improve. You fix it when, once you have whatever launched this. Hopefully uh, that error won't come back, but if it does, then yeah, you need to take action again. And this is how I've used App Insights a lot, like a continuous improvement mechanism, because it is very hard to um, do a, a try catch all for any type of exception that might happen. So when unexpected things happen, this is a great thing. Um, and then there's 
um, integration points to uh, they have REST APIs. So you can build your own uh, type of type of tools exporting the data. You can export the data to whatever you want. You have continuous ex exporting capabilities. So if you on a continuous basis want to take whatever data you have in App Insights and push this to a third party system or your own systems, you can also do this. Um, but one feature I, I particularly like is the application map. So if you have one instance of App Insights, but you have three web apps, and some web apps might be in different geographies, but it might be the same actual web app, just geo-redundant. And then you have a function app, and you have something else in the client app and your NT service. So there's all these kind of maybe five, six different types of services just ingesting data to the same place, to the same App Insights. With the application map, which is a feature, there's a button in App Insights called application map. When you click it, you will see application instance, uh, application insights in the middle, and you will just see arrows shooting in or out, like how the communication flows between all these services. So without actually painting a diagram, you will see this is how the data flows in your applications. So the anti-service is sending data here, and this guy is having dependency calls on this Azure storage account. And you know, you didn't code that, you didn't put that into your code, but application insights with dependency understanding sees where the network traffic is going and then understands how to paint that picture for you, which is pretty cool. I use application maps quite a bit, mainly to visualize things for myself. And, and if I'm doing a workshop and I need to demonstrate something that, okay, this is the setup that we have, it gives me a nice and neat way to visualize quickly the architecture that I have. The other thing that I like quite a bit with application insights is live metrics stream. So it gives me this nicely laid out dashboard that gives me all the essential data for my application and it's, it's automatically updating. It's showing me the incoming and outgoing requests, also telling me if there's uh, any failures, if there's something I need to drill into to understand it better. So this is uh, akin to what you would do in maybe 1997, you would log into your Linux box and you would do tail-f access log to see if there's anything happening on your web server. But now you actually get this in a graphical form and it looks yeah. quite nice. It is pretty cool and I, I can concur and I also use this. And a good example is if you, for example, have scaled out services, you have in my case, I, I did an experiment a while back where I had a lot of instances of a function app and they were hammering a lot. Like we're talking about hundreds of millions of calls per day. And this view in live metric streaming in App Insights was ridiculously cool. It was, you know, you've seen matrix when the green numbers and whatever just falls down the screen. It was kind of yeah. like that, but with actual data that I could make use of. So that was, uh, was pretty cool. So, so one of the other things that I do oftentimes is in Application Insight, you have the investigate bunch of tools. So that includes application map, smart detection, live metric stream, but then there's also the usage. And this is a bit more uh, aligned with perhaps with Google Analytics in the sense that what kind of users do I have? What sort of sessions do my users do in my application? What's the user flow? And I've used this a couple of times uh, in custom applications with customers. They have a custom application and they want to understand how often do people click OK or apply in a certain scenario. So what we did 
is we hooked application insight to the custom client application. And for any of the actions that the user does, scrolling a scroll bar or clicking a button or switching a tab, we would get an event to application insight. And based on those events, we can group them together and start creating user flows. So we can say a user who logs in through the client app and then clicks on this, this, and this will probably also click purchase or buy or some other seemingly important thing that we need to track. Yeah. And then we can measure the impact on why did they do this? Are they encountering any errors? So even if application insights, I see typically used for web apps and, and functions, you can quite easily use it for all sorts of applications that you run as long as you can allow the traffic from your client side back to application insights. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So um, where do you see the telemetry then? Do you just open the application insights view in Azure portal? Uh, there's like four predefined charts or do you build your own or do you simply use Power BI and create these crazy graphics and use those next to your coffee machine? Uh, so I do not do that, uh, the last part, but that was a good idea. So I might do that, <laughs> <laughs> but, and uh, so what, what I do is I use app insights a lot for monitoring when things happen in live systems, in systems that are running in production. When something does happen, my first point of entry is app insights and I have dashboards. So you can kind of mash up any data from multiple sources. Um, you can share them with your team and all this stuff. But for me, this is like my go-to place where I go in and I can see, here's my functions, here's my web apps, here's my storage accounts, here's the communications, here's this and here's that. And these dashboards are customizable so you can pretty much determine yourself what you want on there. So I, I get the view that I need for my specific application scenario. So whenever something happened in application one, two, three, that is running in production, I always go to my App Insights dashboard. And from here, I have designed a view that makes sense for our application scenario. And I know where the common culprits are. Sometimes like yesterday or two days ago, Azure North America was down, right? It has, it had a lot of issues and that impacts also some European services that I'm running my data centers in. So we took an impact with availability tests, but everything was up and running. And I can see this from my dashboard. So instead of then starting to troubleshoot, you know, why are availability tests flagging that the site is not available? That was indeed only because North America was not available, but our site is running in Europe. So things can be affected, but with dashboards, you can do a lot of things to paint the picture as you need to see it for your specific use case. So, so that's, that's my go-to plan. So, so let's talk a bit about availability tests. Uh, and these are small tests that you can add and you can define that you want to ping your application from different Azure data centers. Yes. So, so one, of the, one of the things that I typically do is I, I run my websites uh, in, in, uh, in West Europe. So that would be the Netherlands. And I then typically ping from France and North Europe, meaning Ireland, to see yep. if there's something that might be breaking or if something is slow. I could also add East US, but I don't really care about it that much because if something fails locally, it typically results in my services not being accessible. But if something fails in East US, it typically still means that my own services 
would still work out. Yeah. So you can add one or more availability tests, and then you can say how often you want to ping or run those ping tests, and you can define what, what you're expecting to get back when you do this HTTP get. And if you're not getting it back, then do something, send an email or execute some sort of an action. Yeah. Um, and this is a this is actually a good good point. You can monitor any website you have in, in Azure or any API endpoint, but you can also monitor your blog. So I, I use App Insights to monitor my my blog and external websites as well as the internal ones in Azure. Yeah, that's that's a simple functionality and, and you can define what the timeout is going to be and what must be what must we be, be getting back from our test to say it's going to be a success. Um, an, another thing in application insights is cost, because oftentimes when you have these amazing services, you also need to be conscious about how much am I planning on paying for this per month. And with App Insights, you pay per ingested data. And I'm looking at one of my own tenants and the cost is about two euro per gigabyte per month for ingested data. Yeah. And if I do something on top of this, it doesn't automatically cost me any extra, unless of course I call an Azure function, then that will incur addition. Yeah. What about for you, because you run services that have a lot more data than, than some of the things that I run. So do you do any of the, uh, of the prepaid or, or like purchase a bunch of, of ingested data allocations and then pay a fixed price for that? Or do you do per gigabyte? Yeah, we, right now we just do per gigabyte um, because, and I, I think I wrote a blog post about that some time ago, which was related to log analytics, which is something we can talk about in, in a different episode. Uh, but the concept applies here. If you write custom logs and if you write custom telemetry to App Insights, always beware what you send. So that means, of course, redact any sensitive info if you're sending custom messages always, but also the amount of messages. Because like what I mentioned before, I send hundreds of millions of executions of functions and, and, and different transactions to storage accounts. And I do a lot of operations in the cloud. Now, in the beginning, when I started that, I also sent telemetry for every single request. That was ridiculous because pretty much all of my app insights said you sent a telemetry or you sent a request, you got 200 okay back. And I had this 25 million times in the, in the log, didn't make sense. So I've changed that behavior to log uh, things that are unexpected or things that are expected that I need to ensure that they are in the log. So I can see that this has happened uh, because then I can put up searches and, and search for when things did not happen. Um, so we pay, you know, as we go per gigabyte, but I'm very cautious about how much data I actually send. So I don't track every single request. I don't track every single thing I do in every single service. I make a decision where I draw the line for what I actually want to send, especially when I build my own um, kind of application inside service from code. And I say, this needs to be logged. This does not need to be logged. Just be cautious about what you send, but also then it's the data retention. And you can select how long the data should be stored in App Insights. And of course, um, this will also affect the, the enterprising, if you will. All righty. So one last final thought on Application Insights. If somebody's now listening to this and thinking, how do I get started? Let's, let's give a couple of examples 
And the easiest one you mentioned already uh, earlier is that if you have a web app running in Azure, you log into Azure portal, you navigate your web app, and within the web app blade under settings, you have application insights. You click on that, it gives you a button that says turn on site extension or something like this. You click on that and you define this will be the app insight instance name and then you're all set. So it's two clicks and then you're good to go with a web app. That's, yep. that's one, one thing. And a quick example on if you want to just test how application insights works. One of my favorites is to create a command line tool. So I use .NET Core to create a, a command line utility. And then I can hook in the application insights SDK. And from there, it's super easy to say, whenever I do this in my code, please also let application inside know about this and this event. Yep, you can do that. And also if you build, for example, a web app from Visual Studio and you select create new web app, you can also select um, use application insight. So when you have your web app in Visual Studio, there's gonna be a button, button app insights and Visual Studio can help you set that up. So if you don't have app insights, Visual Studio can help you set that up in your dev subscription. Uh, so there's multiple ways to get started. For me, I use either the command line, like the Azure ZLI, yep. and I just set something up real quick because when I do development and proof of concepts, I create a resource group in my region. I create the resources I need, usually a storage account, key vault, app insights, and whatever it is. And I can do this in less than 30 seconds from the command line. Yep. And I get my telemetry key, and this is what I put into the project. Like you just mentioned, you set up your .NET Core project, you plug in the key and the SDK to app insights. Voila, that's it. Your application crashes, yeah, App Insights will tell you about it. Sounds easy enough. So we'll be sure to uh, link the, uh, the, 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 guide, the guidebook on how you get started with Application Insights in the show notes. Alrighty, so the last bit, word of the day. We need to learn a bit more Swedish and Finnish. Uh, what's the word in Swedish? So in, in Swedish, uh, and the reason I picked this word is because a friend of mine recently used it when he spoke English. Um, when you in English say vacuuming, in Sweden we say damsuga. And the literal translation of that is actually two words put together, which is dust sucking, right? So we <laughs> suck dust. That's what we do um, instead of vacuuming. But a lot of people in Sweden who perhaps do not speak English on a, on a regular basis, like my friend, um, in a conversation now recently in English, he said, no, no, I have to go home and do the dust sucking. <laughs> instead of vacuuming so it's a kind of a funny thing that that happens this so seems e this seems easy enough let me try damsuga yeah there you go all righty now i can damsuga in sweden and in finland as well it's great <laughs> excellent so the finnish word is a little bit more complex it's nalle neuvola so this is two words but as we like in finland we just combine them together to make it a bit harder for somebody else to understand what it means and what it means, it's a teddy bear maternity clinic. <laughs> what? So you, so, you, so you go to a maternity clinic with, with, with your little one to may, maybe get your flu shots or something. And they, the kid might be, you know, a bit shaken up. Why do we come here? And does it hurt and all that? So you have a teddy bear, like a, like a mini maternity clinic for kids inside the maternity clinic. And it's a teddy bear maternity clinic to make it easier for your kid to cope with the things that are going to happen. 
Okay. So, you, so once more, the word is nalle neuvola. Nalle neuvola. Excellent. So now we so you, can. So you have a word for that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I I just learned this recently uh, when I when I took my two year old to for for the yearly checkup, and I was like, oh, this is amazing. Nalle neuvola. Now I know this exists as well. Yeah. All right. Cool. Alrighty, so this was all we had to say about application insights for now. I, I think we'll we'll visit this topic later with a bit more deep dive things as well. So this was on getting started with this. So thank you and until next time. See you then. Thank you for tuning in to the Control-Alt-Azure podcast. Find out more and read the show notes on controlaltazure.com. Stay tuned. Thank you.